For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. Rose for the end zone and it's intercepted. The third Buffalo takeaway today. An end zone throw. That's going to be a Buffalo touchdown to Gabriel Davis. But he's got some blocks. John Brown zooming inside the five. First and goal, Buffalo. Plenty of time for Josh Allen. Wide open. It's a touchdown, Buffalo Bills. This is the Buffalo Nerd with Colt Schroeder. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. Uh, this is episode eight. Yep, count them eight. We've made it to eight. Uh, very impressive for a guy that thought he was only going to get to zero. So uh, I'm very happy to be at eight. Uh, I think I tell you guys that every week when we get started, you should probably get used to that because uh, it is a miracle, I think, every time this takes place. Uh, but when you're trying to do good things, I think good things happen, right? So uh, that's why we keep pushing forward. And today uh, I'm also joined by another special guest that I'm super excited to chat about because uh, one of the main goals of the show was to uh, get the outside opinion, you know, touch other fan bases and, you know, feel see what they have to say about the Bills, uh, you know, see how they feel what, about their teams and things like that, which brings me to my special guest today uh, is Jimmy Christensen, um, and he's a Packer guy, right? And uh, I think as a Bills fan, we can appreciate if we're going to like other fans, which we're not very good at, right? But if we're going to like other fans, I would say that we would we would we could side with the Packers and Jimmy and I are going to talk about that a little bit. But Jimmy's a uh, he writes for the Packer Report. Uh, he's a Lombardi Bar podcast guy. He's part of a cool community of podcasters over there and uh, that are Green Bay Packer fans. So Jimmy, uh, why don't you go ahead and take the floor? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's going on, man? And I before I jump in about me, I I'm excited to talk about Buffalo and your guys' fans because besides Packer fans, I think Buffalo definitely has the best fan base. Uh, Obviously, I can't put you guys above me, but I Buffalo fans watching you guys tailgate and all that stuff is my favorite thing to do. Well, you got to be respectful to your own team, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. I can't put you above me even at heart, even though I know it's pretty close. I'll still give us the edge. Uh, But I like uh, it, though. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. Like you said, my name's Jimmy. I'm I write for Packer Report. My big thing that I, I 
love doing is uh, Lombardi's Bar. It, we just launched it last season, and we've been able to have really cool guests. We had Kenny Clark on, Elton Jenkins. Uh, Jamal Williams was on there a little bit. So been able to reach out to some players, and we pretty much is just three guys that we met. we've never met in person. But we we met through writing for the same website and we've become really close. And every week we yeah we have a bar theme, buy rounds for players, make certain players pay tabs. It's, it's pretty fun. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that too, right? Because I think uh, that's how like most of the people that I've met through this right is like I'm like we're all Bills fans, but I've never met some of these people face to face, right? Like I talk yeah. to them all the time. I text with them. I chat with them on all sorts of different platforms, right? But I've never actually seen them face to face. Yeah, and that's that's like the weirdest thing about Twitter is like there's people on Twitter that like I consider I'm I'm friends with, never seen them face to face, never like there's some people never had a phone call with. It's just what we write back and forth on Twitter. I'm like, oh yeah, that's my friend. Like <laughs> they probably think I'm just some weirdo, but yeah, right. They're they're not saying the same thing on the other side that Jimmy's actually their friend. They're like, yeah, I don't know this Jimmy guy. He just won't leave me alone. But yeah, uh, <laughs> he's in my he inbox all the time. I don't football. get it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, right. That's cool though because I. To me, that's been the fun part about it. And that's when I w- was doing this podcast and when you were like, yeah, man, I'd love to come on. I was like, cool, because that's what I'm trying to do. I, I also got some uh, Redskins fan coming up. I got some Rams coming up. You know, I want to venture around the league and see what everybody else is saying, you know, because we hear the national media a lot. Right. And it's like, yeah. yeah, cool. Everybody hears them, but they don't really pay attention to your team the way that a lot of the guys are grinding that are the locals that are really into the team, right? Like you guys are like the, the pack a day it's called for, for those of you that want to follow along, everything will be in the show notes and everything. But pack a day podcast is a group of like you were talking earlier, like 20 group of fans, right. That are way more in tune. I feel like we don't get the breaking news access. Like we have to wait a little bit for it, but we're way more in tune of what's going on. You agree with that? No, absolutely. One thing, and I know we'll talk about Jamal Williams later, but uh, now that he's on the Lions, I was reading an article about him and some of the stuff they put in there, like how they barely used him and like a lot of the stuff I was like, that's just not true. Like I can understand, like I don't blame them because they kind of just go off what they read and what they see because it was based off what like Maurice Jones Drew said. And I was like, dude, I I get you talk about sports all the time. Like I'm sure you didn't dive deep into this, but like some of the stuff the national media does is honestly just for clicks and there's really not much substance on the team. So like you said, I like talking to actual like fans of the team because you can get a much better perspective. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that a hundred percent. I, to me, it's been like, like I, I almost don't even care to hear the national media version of it anymore. Right. Because it, some of it's fun and it's, it's cool when some of them jump on the bandwagon and they're having some fun with it too. And they're putting your team everywhere. Cause then you get to see them everywhere. Right. But yeah. I mean, besides that, to me, the local guys are in tune or they at least they're ahead of the game. I feel like a lot of times. So I appreciate being able to just chat with somebody that I think is going to give me more of an honest opinion, you know, doesn't have to, report to a team doesn't have to report to a radio station doesn't have to report to a network saying make sure you don't say anything wrong right yeah. you know like you love this team you love this team right you like every move we're doing yeah right? so it's, it's fun to chat with the guys that actually have their like hands down on the ground doing it right absolutely i'm with you on that yeah so as we like to do on the uh, buffalo nerd here um it's all about highlighting a charity right and uh we're going to really segue kind of like you're going to find out a lot about Jimmy kind of as, as we get through the charity and how in tune he is with the Packers as a team. And, uh, you know, how he just mentioned a little bit with players and stuff. But this week uh, we are 
going to actually be highlighting. I know it's going to feel weird because we just got done talking about how big of a Packer fan Jimmy is, but we're actually going to be highlighting a charity that's in Detroit. Right. So that's like anti Packer country, I think. Right. Yeah. But that kind of speaks to what we're trying to do here. Right. Is that it's not necessarily that you only have to focus on where you're from or what fan base you have. Right. There's great things happening everywhere. And we've got a segue, obviously, of why you chose Detroit for this one. But we're going to be talking about Detroit Pal. Right. And you guys will be able to see uh, and get the links to everything that they're doing. Um, But I'm going to let Jimmy speak on them. But they're a very cool organization from what I've read so far that are all about the youth in Detroit, right? So Jimmy, why don't you kind of tell us why you decided to go with Detroit Pal? Yeah. So the reason, again, it it broke my heart a little bit, but I work for Jamal Williams and now that he's a Detroit Lion, I have to, you know, be a little involved with the division rival. But uh, one thing that he's big on Jamal and his trainer, Luke Neal, is just mentoring and bringing up uh, the youth in in cities and inner cities. And that's what Detroit pal does. It's, um, it's run by the, it's a connection with the police department down in Detroit. And they are really just bringing up the youth and trying to get them involved in sports, help them with leadership, hold them accountable. Um, and they're just trying to find different avenues to kind of bring the community closer and kind of lift each other up. So, uh, I know there's one part about it, especially that you like, so I'll definitely let you touch on it too. But one part that you said too, is really cool is the six degrees of separation. Um, they're just really mental health is such a huge thing right now. And especially it kind of gets passed over a lot with kids, especially like being a teacher. You see that a lot of times, if you see a kid struggling, the first thing you go to is like, Oh, there's something wrong. There's ADD, ADHD. There's other things that are causing it. But a lot of times like mental health and kid is just overlooked. And one of the things that they're doing is just mm-hmm. having you reach out to six people a day. Um, it was three days that it was a six, 16th and 26th of the month through June, just to reach out to people, check in on them because checking in is good enough. Just getting let, not good enough, but a good first step, just letting them say if there's anything wrong, just being an ear for them to listen. And so that's why I went with that organization just to kind of, I'm obviously being a teacher. I'm huge with helping out kids, Jamal and Luke as well. That's a big thing that they do is always Jamal does a Christmas toy drive every year. So we're just trying to find different avenues in Detroit to kind of help promote and sponsor. And uh, this one really stood out to us. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, so part of the show for me is I get to learn, I want to learn about these things, right. And, and see the, a lot of the cool things that are happening because we get fed a lot of the time in the world right now that it's not a very cool place out there. And it, yeah. it's not all the time, right. It's, I mean, we've had terrible, terrible things happen, but while terrible things are happening, there's good things happening too. Right. And, and this is one of those things. So when you, when you told me what we we're going to be chatting about, you know, like I do for all of them, I go and I start checking in and seeing what they're all about and, you know, get excited about, you know, learning some new stuff. And when I came across that six degrees of separation in, uh, in their material, I was like, it's very cool. I mean, it's, they're all youth based organization, which is awesome. But then they, they went out and they did the six degrees of separation, which is like Jimmy mentioned, mentioned, it's just to reach out, right? So you reach out to friends, family, six people. And it, it, like you said, it's the 16th, it's the 6th, 16th and 26th. And it's going to start on April 16th and it's going to run until June, the end of June, right? So just all those dates on the sixes, you're going to reach out to six people. And it's also uh, to provide materials, um, you know, resources of just some information about COVID, you know, mental illness, things that are going on, provide them with something of value, right? Reach out to them and 
provide them with something that can give them some comfort or, you know, something that shows them that there's hope on the horizon or, you know, great things are happening or good things are happening. Uh, there's a cool shirt. You can do the pledge. Um, you can wear it around and let everybody know you're doing it. So Detroit Pell, besides helping the youth and everything like that, uh, this six degrees right now, we had, I think it was uh, two or three episodes back. I had Jeff Bell on and we talked about NAMI. Um, you know, that's mental illness one-on-one right there. They got resources. They got everything there. This is huge, huge stuff. And like Jeff and I talked about, um, I'm not sure exactly how old Jimmy is. I didn't ask him his bio hundred percent before we started this, <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm in my late thirties and grew up in the generation of the male doesn't really chat about these kind of things. Right. So the organizations and having players like Jamal and other guys step up in these avenues of mental health, right? Because we find out a lot of the time that NFL players are dealing with mental health daily, right? Which if you really think about it, their expectations are extraordinary, right? And they have people, millions and millions of people watching their every move, right? So I can barely get through the day sometimes just dealing with what I got to deal with, let alone having millions of people watching, right? So very cool charity. Uh, everything will be available for you guys to go check out the Detroit Pal. Um, they're doing all sorts of stuff. They're focused right now on the six degrees of separation because it's very in tune with what's happening right now, but they are around all the time. They're always there helping the youth. So it's something you can support now and in the future and, you know, just spread the word about it. Right. Uh, Jimmy, you got anything else you want to kind of throw in about them? Uh, I, I love what you said about uh, when we grew up, it was a lot of, if you're like males, just, you don't really say much on like what's bothering you. You kind of just keep it in, let just roll with it. Uh, and I think it is really cool seeing older generations of people now kind of speaking out, especially seeing in the NFL with, uh, Max, no, not Max Andrews, uh, Hurst for the Falcons. He does like the suicide awareness because of his brother Dak Prescott came out yeah. and mentioned that he struggles with it so it's cool seeing these people use their platform to let let everyone know that like we all struggle with it doesn't matter who you are so even reaching out to people that you might not think struggle with it but maybe they do and having someone reach out will be huge to be able to let them open up so that's about it right and also what you're talking about speaks to like what really at all, like I just mentioned how much NFL players are scrutinized as it is. Right. But then like, so you're like Jamal Williams, who you've spent your entire NFL career so far, even though it's been short in green Bay engulfing yourself in that community. And then, Hey, it's time to go to Detroit. Right. And this is where you're going to live now. And we now need you to have that same passion. I, I That's hard for people to be like, yeah, I don't know. But Jamal immediately like he's a, I, I watched an interview of him today. Dude is hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah. if you guys have not seen him, but he is hilarious. Um, but I watched the interview of him today and he's like, you know, he's not there yet, but he's already committing to the community before he even gets there. Right. I mean, and that speaks levels to how much these players are asked to be. And then they, in these instances, they don't have to do it, right? But they go out of their way to do it. Yeah. And being his media guy, the, the coolest thing about Jamal is trying to get him. He, he's not the biggest fan of interviews, even though he kills them every time. Like it's mm -hmm. not his favorite thing. But the second it involves like reaching out to kids or being part of like an event, he will do it in a heartbeat. Just it's that just connecting with fans he loves. Um, like before games, he's dancing, playing catch with people in the stands. Like, and it's not just a Jamal thing. Like, that's the thing with athletes. Like, I don't blame him for not wanting to talk to reporters sometimes because I get a lot of answers. A lot of times they use the quotes out of context. But if you get them around a group of kids or a group of fans, that you usually see them come out of the shell a little bit because they can see like, oh, this these are the people that actually I make an impact on. So it's pretty cool to see. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Diggs does the same thing. Yeah. You know, he comes out and he's letting people throw him passes. You know, like how cool is it for a young kid at the game, 12 rows up, getting to throw a ball pregame to Stephon Diggs? Yeah, I mean, like that's cool stuff. Right. And and they don't all do it and they don't have to. Right. And they shouldn't be expected to do those kinds of things. Right. But it's just it speaks a, a little bit to, you know, how how passionate and great a lot of these guys are, even while they're getting blasted, you know, for fumbles and dropped passes and, you know, all, yeah. all these other things that are taking place that it gets scrutinized by the fans, myself included. <laughs> uh, right. Um, Guilty. But, Guilty. Yeah. They're, they're great guys deep down inside. Right. So like I said, uh, Detroit pal, you know, the Buffalo nerd, that's what I like to do here. I'm trying to find cool Avenue to speak up things that are doing awesome things. Um, um, especially when they're like not necessarily in our area. I get it. I'm a Bills fan uh, and, you know, probably mostly Bills fans are listening to this, but there's cool things happen out there. And I know the Bills mafia is huge and we always stand up and help out wherever we can. And so this is another cool organization. If you're somebody that can help out or spread the word about it, you know, do it. It's a cool thing. It's another great thing happening. And when you start looking into these things, you'll probably find that there's something like this in your backyard too, right? So there's probably something like this in the Buffalo community that's taking place right now too, that might just, you know, inspire you to go take a look and then bam, there they are. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I actually have a question for you now. You brought up Stefan Diggs and this Mm -hmm. is what I I wanted to ask you this. Okay. So with his time, I was very familiar with him with just playing the Packers twice a year during his time with the Vikings, but he also kind of got a bad rep media wise on being kind of a locker room, a bad culture piece where when you guys initially traded for him, like what were, what was your reaction or thought when he was going to Buffalo? So for me, initially it was okay. First round pick, huh? Okay. I mean, it makes sense. Um, we, we have to start looking at things differently. We, we haven't been the organization that's been picking later. So I was like, yeah, this is interesting to go this route. But I absolutely was like, the dude's a stud. I don't, I don't care if he's a cancer. I, either way, I care about 1,100 to 1,200 yards a season, right? Like whatever it takes us to get that, we need to get that, right? And if that's a late round, first round pick, especially when you've got a guy who you believe is going to be your franchise, you absolutely have to provide the pieces. So I was, there's a little bit of hesitance, you know, about him coming in with that attitude, but. I had seen in which I think you're probably familiar in the way that Green Bay is structured, that the shift had started where the culture was prepared to take on an attitude, even if it mm-hmm. was going to be there. And he got to come and win, right? I think if if he didn't win right away or if the Bills weren't doing that great, there's a possibility we might have seen a different version, Yeah. right? But he came in and he fits the mold. He's a phenomenal wide receiver, right? Like so I, 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 he's so good. I mean, just if you, you watch him run routes against some guys and it's like, there's nobody even there, right? It's like, it's just phenomenal to watch sometimes. So yeah, I mean, you get nervous about that, but at that point I'd really felt like we had turned the corner. So I was ready and I felt like the franchise was ready for it. And he's nothing like that. Right. I, I feel like it was more of just Kirk Cousins is not a great quarterback and he wasn't capable of having two good wide receivers. That's right? the like, thing. Yeah. yeah, two. Like you, you it should be so easy to almost just be like, all right, this is your week. Hey, this is your week. Hey, this is your week, right? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't play, obviously, the NFL, so it, it, I'm just saying those things. But I, I felt like he had two phenomenal wide receivers. And you saw Diggs get fed a lot this year, but he didn't get fed like crazy, right? Like to where everybody else was out of the offense, right? So he was capable of sharing. Yeah. 
And I, I, one of the things too, you saw it this season with the Vikings with Justin Jefferson, his frustration kind of came out in a couple games with uh, Kirk Cousins as well. And I think it's just that part of like, there, he had two receivers, but he's so dialed in on feeling that he just wasn't giving mm-hmm. the ball as much to other players as he should. And I think Diggs just going to a spot where by far John Brown was good. Cole Beasley has his moments. He's a great slot receiver, but obviously Stefan Diggs is the level above those guys. And I think maybe just him going there knowing like I'm the top dog in this room. Like I, I think maybe that kind of helped with this, his mentality shift too, but he took, I was surprised cause I was well, nervous. You have... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Keep going, man. Oh, I was going to say, I was nervous just seeing him go to another team because there's always a part, no offense to Buffalo, but like you guys haven't been as successful. So it was like one of those things where like you just want to see them do well. It's kind of the same thing I I thought of with like the Cleveland Browns of like you just want them to do well, have some winning seasons. And they finally seem to get on the right track. Even when Tyrod Taylor was there, took you guys to the playoffs. And now with Josh Allen, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be a good fit, but he, I was surprised and it worked out beautifully because Josh Allen looks he is a franchise quarterback. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's especially with the, the other thing that I thought was interesting, right. Is, is Diggs has been in the league for a while, but he, he was what he's 28. Right. So then you're, you're putting him with a kid, right. You're mm-hmm. essentially putting him with a kid where he'd been playing with a quarterback who was equal in age or older than him, right. With, which is a flip flopping character. But I think also what he, what he appreciated in Josh Allen that he didn't get in Kirk cousins, or I think Kirk Cousins probably has this, but you don't see it visually the same way that Josh Allen gives it to you is that he's just a dog and he's going to fight with you mm-hmm. no matter what. And I think you get a little vibe from Kirk Cousins where you go, he's going to point a finger at you when things aren't going right. Right. And Josh Allen isn't going to do that. He's going to, he's going to try to make the play if he doesn't feel you're up to snuff that day instead. Right. Or he's yeah. going to put, faith in you and he's going to make you make the play. But the other thing for cousins too, was he always went to Thielen because Diggs was getting double coverage, right? So he went the easy route instead of Diggs still gets double covered. He just gets open and Josh Allen's willing to throw him the ball, right? Like, Hey dude, I don't care if there's 45 people covering you. If you're still open and you're the right play, then I'm going to throw you the ball. I'm not going to go over to the easier guy just because he's the easier guy. Right. Like yeah. that's not always the case. If you want to keep a diva, I'm, I'm air quoting for those of you that can't see <laughs> a diva wide receiver happy. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think it's kind of the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, mentality when he was talking to Tua, when he was just saying like, sometimes these guys don't look open, but you got like, you got to throw it. And I think, Josh Allen has that where Kirk Cousins didn't. He just go right to Thielen, whereas Josh Allen realizes like, yeah, Diggs might have somebody on him, but he's going to get that guy off him. And he's willing to take those risks, which is great to see. I hate comparing people to Brett Favre, yeah. but Josh Allen is the most Brett Favre quarterback I've seen uh, since he's left the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he he fits the mold. Uh, he he definitely reeled it in this last year of keeping himself a little healthier, which was great. Um, and he he made better decisions and did great things. But I do like that analogy. Uh, people always want to compare him to Big Ben. I don't I don't like he can run around so much more than Big Ben could. Like Big Ben's yeah. like a statue. I mean, like yeah, it's, <laughs> yes, he's a big frame and he's got a big arm, but he's like he's rushed for more yards in like a tenth of a season than Big Ben has his entire career, right? Like they're yeah, I don't like that. That one Brett Favre, I get, and even Favre didn't run a lot, but no, Allen, just the mentality. 
Right. It's just that it, it, there's something to it, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers has it. You guys have been witnessing it, you know, for years over there. I mean, Tom Brady has it. There's just this, I don't, I don't give a crap about whatever else is going on, whether my diva is wanting to play that day or not. We're going to make this happen, right? Because I'm going to find a way to win. And I think Diggs responded to that. And like I mentioned earlier, when you win and everything else goes away, right? I mean, like you can hate everybody and their brother. You start putting up W's and it's like, hey, bro, I love you. Great game. Yeah. You know, like great game, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. No, 100%. But yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you another question about the Bills. I'm always, I was going to say, like, obviously, you guys, your quarterback set, your wide receivers set. I know you guys let John Brown go, but you guys will fill those voids. Um, you guys have a stout defense. What would you say is the biggest weakness right now on the Bills? Yeah, see, I'm, I'm glad you segued into what I was going to segue into because I this I was going to ask you how you felt your team. Have they gone up this free agency? Have they stayed even, right? And so I'll answer your question with mine a little bit as well. That The defense I'm still interested to see. We, we asked guys to take pay cuts to stick around, which tells me we, we're in a position now where we can, we can treat players like that and say, we need more, right? We need more out of you for the numbers that you're asking for. Um, so if you want to stick around here and win, but if I were to take the one piece right now, I don't even know where I would say it is because we've signed so many people back. We lost yeah. John Brown, but we immediately filled that with Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you know, we, yeah. we let, we let Tyler Croft go who I wasn't a massive fan of, but I saw why he fit, right? Like I saw the need for it. And then we went and got Jacob Hollister. So I, I feel like that filled that void um, defensive line is still the struggle. We almost lost Matt Milano, which would obviously would have made linebacker our biggest hole and he stayed right. And then we brought back our whole old line basically, you know, from next year running back is still my main concern and cornerback two is still my main concern. So if I'm going into the draft, I want a really fast running back with everything that I just said, I still just want a really fast running back. But (laughs) if I'm doing it the right way, I honestly feel like linebacker depth and cornerback two are the two pieces that I want to fill during the draft because I think free agency, even if our defensive line doesn't pan out this year with the NFL signing that massive deal, we should see the salary cap take a big jump next year. And I think then we can afford to pay a defensive lineman that we typically wouldn't try to pay to solve that issue. Um, but yeah, where, where do you feel like you guys are at? Cause you've lost some pieces to the puzzle. Um, you know, Jamal yeah. being one of them, um, but you've also lost some other pieces. Do you feel like you guys have elevated your off season? I feel like we got a shade better. If I was going to say, where would I rate us right now in like Madden rating? If we were like a 90, I would say we're like a 91. Okay. Where we're at right now with who we've brought in and who we've been able to keep. I feel like we actually did tick up a shade and I was nervous that we were going to actually probably take a step down to like an 87. Yeah. No, I'm going to have money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep going with that. I'd say if the Packers were at a 90, I'd say they're at about an 89 right now. I think they just went down a smidge. The big reason for that is we let our all pro center go we let him go to the chargers so he signed a big Mm -hmm. contract which he definitely deserved i don't blame him at all like i'm under i'm always a person that 
I understand people saying hometown discounts, but at the same time, these players' longevity is only a certain amount. So you got to take big contracts so you can get it. So that's our biggest part because last year our offensive line was just a merry-go-round. We had Elton Jenkins literally played a snap at every position on our offensive line. Um, and he, again, with – Lindsley being gone, Bakhtiari tore his ACL last year, so we're not quite sure when he's going to come back. It kind of seems like there's going to be some shuffling again. So just finding someone on that offensive line because Jenkins might play center. We have a uh, our other guard, Lucas Patrick, might move to center. So it's just kind of finding someone, getting some depth there. And then I think on the defensive side of the ball, the biggest thing for me, there's three spots that it's defensive line depth. We have Kenny Clark in the middle, but we need someone next to him. A cornerback number two, we signed Kevin King, but we saw he's been up or down. So I think we're still going to address that early in the draft. Just give some competition, uh, see if he eventually can take over. And then one area that I'd like to see them sign a veteran is the inside linebacker. Because right now we have our fifth our fifth round draft pick last year, Kamal Martin, and then our undrafted rookie who ended up starting for us last year. He did pretty well, uh, Chris Barnes. But it's just nice to have a, a veteran in there, someone who's a little more established can kind of guide those guys, but I, I'm nitpicking a little bit, but um, I'd say they mainly because the offensive line's a question mark. I'd say we went down a little bit, but the Packers, they signed 21 of their or 21 of their 22 starters from last year returning. So they were, they got one game away from the, the Super Bowl last year. They ended up having their same with the bills. They ended up having their uh, for the Packers had their worst game of the season in that championship game. And we still were only a touchdown away from winning or tying it, getting into overtime. So I think we have the talent to get to the Super Bowl, And so I don't want to say we regress too much, but there's definitely some areas we have to address to make sure that happens. Right. I, I like the verbiage that you use there when you said you're nitpicking, because as a, as a bills fan up until three years ago, it wouldn't have been nitpicking, right? It would have been like, we need 75 new players um, like because they're all just trash, right? Like we can't win with them, right? You know, and we, this is one thing I wanted to chat with you quite a bit about actually is because you've, you come from a fandom of a franchise that's been successful for a long period of time now, right? When you, we all see that like the big ticket is when you get the quarterback stability, you have the ability to build a franchise for the long term. Right. And you have the yeah. ability to be a winning team for the long term. So it really, truly does become nitpicky. Right. Where you're like, well, I've got two seventy nines at cornerback right now. Right. Like, well, I want two eighties. I want two eighty twos. I want <laughs> like, you know, like, come on, like there should be something else I could get. Right. And you get to see, though, that you guys keep a lot of your players too, right? You don't, you don't necessarily lose guys. Like you lose a guy like Jamal, right? Because he has a value that has exceeded his position on that depth chart, right? That's why you exactly. lose a guy like him, right? Like you've got Jamal Adams and you've, you just invested tons, you're not tons of capital, but a second round pick, right? in AJ Dillon last year. So you, yep. you've, you've now got extreme and now you would be putting more money into something that you are not sure you can pay four right like what's the what's yeah. the move right and then you've got a guy that's like i'm not a third string running back i need to play somewhere where i can be more than a third string running back right so you you get yeah. into these positions so i i brought this up i think last week on the show where it was like all these coaches and gms and everybody they come in right and they always say well we want to draft our guys and we want to keep our guys well 
the guy has to want to stay too, right? Like he's got to feel like the position Absolutely. is good for him too, right? So you do have to lose guys sometimes, right? You you have to let a John Brown go. You have to let a Jamal Williams go. You you just have to make these moves, right? And and it's not a move you ever want to make, right? Like there's going to be a time potentially during the season next year where there'll be like, it'd be really awesome if we had Jamal Williams right now. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or you'd biggest- just be like, yeah, be, go ahead. I'd say the biggest area they're going to miss him is his blocking. He's he's ranked like the second best blocking running back by behind Jordan Howard, um, mm-hmm. and with the offensive line being a question mark, that's my biggest. Because Aaron Jones is a dynamic runner, and then AJ Dillon has shown a lot of like potential as well. He had a big game last year, but that's my biggest thing is like protecting Rodgers is huge, especially since he's thirty seven now. Our offensive line's a question mark. Like I think that's where they're going to miss him the most. Well, and it's also protecting him from Rodgers because Rodgers has high expectations of what you're supposed to do, right? He's supposed to be able to like wink at you and you're supposed to understand what that means, right? In the moment, at the game, there's 13 seconds left. I winked. You know what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's hard for that. I think we hear that all the time with most running backs when they come into the NFL, right? Is picking up the blocking schemes of the NFL, right? It's so much harder to be good at blocking as a running back, you know, when you come into the league. So having a guy like Jamal, that's got three, four years of experience at blocking in the NFL and understand your system, that's a valuable piece to lose, right? I think that's why we keep so many, kept so many of our guys this year is the continuity aspect. I mean, I talk about it probably way too much, but that is the only way you build strong windows of success, in my opinion, is you have to have some form of continuity, whether it's your line, your defensive line, your quarterback wide receivers, like there's, there's gotta be something there. Yeah, we did. The Packers did a signing like that this offseason with uh, there was definitely a need for him. But Mercedes Lewis, uh, again, 37 year old tight end. He got a two year, eight million dollar contract, which for his age and his like on field value, like his blocking is tremendous. But you could argue as an overpayment. And the reason being Aaron, Aaron Rodgers loves him. All the tight ends love him. He's a huge locker room piece. And like you said, of the continuity of sometimes overpaying a little bit for that that culture piece and that, that player signing is worth it because it's keeping everyone in a, in a good mood. And you're bringing back someone that's going to help lead your team on things that are more important sometimes than just on the field play. Right. That's Lee Smith for us, right? He was, he was our character tight end or even Trent Murphy. We paid him $10 million to not play in eight games last year. Yeah. That's- so you sometimes just do things like that. I, when you, when you transition to that Mercedes Lewis thing, I was actually thinking to myself, it's been eight years since I remember a tight end that's relevant in the Packers passing game, really, except for this last year, Tunyon kind of stepped up a little bit and started to fill the role. But yeah, it'd been a very long time since the Packers offenses had a tight end that's been successful. Yeah, it was probably, it was since Jermichael Finley that we really had someone that was a consistent threat for, for Rogers or even, I know we had Bubba Franks before, but that was for Favre. And yeah, it's been a, it's been an area that's been just like a, like a just a merry-go-round people coming on people getting off nonstop, and one of the things we we try to fill it with draft and then we went the free agent route brought in jared cook that lasted a little bit brought in uh martellus bennett that lasted four games of a season then he ended up kind of quitting on us and then we brought in jimmy graham but he was a shell of himself and after we drafted sternberger everyone had high hopes for him and then we drafted deguara last year who's a versatile guy and 
going into last year, there were a lot of people, myself included, that thought maybe Tunyon was going to be the odd man out because we just had so many people in the tight end room. And lo and behold, an undrafted guy, third year, he battled injuries the past two seasons, came out, 11 touchdowns. He had three in one game. My favorite play, he did a against the Falcons. Sorry, my dog's down here with me. But against the Falcons, he did a a somersault. Like he got tackled, did a somersault, popped back up and ended up scoring a touchdown. So he he had a big year for us last year. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. And I mean, you have to get those guys and you have to make those kind of signings. I mean, I think that's what keeps your franchise going. And what's interesting about like I find Green Bay to be a little more interesting, right, is because you've had a transition at coach in the past yep. few years even though you've been a winning franchise, right? That's an, it's not really something that you typically see is the, a transition. But when you, when you see what happened to Mike McCarthy after he left, which I never thought he was that great of a coach as it was, but yeah, when he went to Dallas, I was like, why would you do that? Like, why would you sign a coach from a franchise who's been doing nothing but winning determined that it was time to make a different move? You were like, that's our guy. Right. Like, yeah, we should hire him. Right. Like they're just making a mistake here. Right. Like you had them that long. You're a winning franchise and Dallas is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come on. And it's like, no, dude, he's just not that good. Right. So it's kind of it's interesting to see that you guys have been able to contain it. Right. Even under a new coaching staff. And I think has actually probably excelled in the past three years under the new coaching staff. Right. From where you were, which is cool because that speaks to you've you, you built a culture that was strong enough to just keep winning, keep winning. But then you said to yourselves, you know what? We expect more. Even 10 win seasons aren't good enough. You know, we want, we want Super Bowls. We want to do that to where you can let go of coaches. The Bills haven't been in a position like that in a very, very long time. And I've said a multitude of different times that I feel like we're actually in like a 10 year window now where we should be a sustainable winning franchise for the next 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are in a great position. Sean McDermott's a heck of a coach and you have the main pieces. Like you have Josh Allen, you have his, his star receiver. Uh, you guys have a, a strong defense. So like right now, like you said, this is the window to capitalize on because Josh Allen, he has, is it one more year? And then he, he's going to have a big deal after that. So yeah, it's going to be, that's when it starts to get trickier. But the good thing I guess you could say is, you guys are going to have to pay that when the salary cap kind of bounces back to to normality to whereas if you had to pay him this year it could have screwed up a lot of stuff on that team yeah they've been saying that they've have been having talks with him and they've kept him in the loop on everything that's going on just trying to find the like they've said there's this everything we've done doesn't exist or will not continue to exist unless we are able to sign josh allen to a long-term deal but I think they're making him aware right now that now is just not necessarily the best opportunity to make that deal happen. Right. Like for him and for like what the team actually needs to try to make happen. So he's going to get the deal. I mean, I'm, I'm a little nervous about it no matter how high the number goes up because you just watch Prescott sign for like 40 something. And I'm thinking Josh Allen's better than Prescott. Right. Like, so like, what are we talking? Are we talking 45, 48, 50? I mean, how high is this number going to have to go? And I, I don't like like I get Patrick Mahomes signing this big like cool contract that looks good on paper but in five years you could be paid like the middle of the pack I mean the NFL Mm -hmm. is going to be continuing to make money right so I I appreciate like a four or five year deal that works for the player right because in four years he could get paid again and he can get paid again at the market value at that time instead of yeah let's just keep dragging it out so yeah I 
I don't know. You guys are going to be in an interesting position. Are you starting to get nervous at all yet about what your life is going to look like when you don't have number 12? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird thing, right? You see all these other franchises scrambling year. Like even today, the yeah. 49ers trading their franchise away because they're yeah. like, we need a quarterback. And I'm like, well, I feel like you need more than a quarterback, but okay. I mean, yeah, if that's what you think, but you're traded away a lot. The Rams haven't had a first round pick in what, seven years it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's insane. Ouch. Ouch. And they still are making deals for quarterbacks. Yeah. I, that's a, <sighs> I understand what they did, especially because in LaFleur's first season and even before Matt LaFleur took over as head coach, like you saw a little bit of a regression in Raj in Rogers. And like, so I don't blame them for thinking like, Hey, maybe we should get this player. Now Rogers is still playing at a decently high level, but in a few years when we, his contracts up, we'll have this guy ready. And I don't mind it because you look at teams like the Steelers where big Ben right now kind of has them in, like hostage because he's kind of mm-hmm. doing Brett Favre did like, will I retire? Won't I retire? My play is declining. And so I, I like declining. that. They, declined. Ha, yeah. Declined. It's, Sorry. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's past tense. Yeah. Decline. <laughs> yeah. It's declined for sure. And uh, so I get what they did because we do have someone who's kind of the predecessor if it gets to that point, but I also could see them pulling a, a Patriots move and trading him like they did with Garoppolo and then worrying about it later on because this past year we saw at 37, it kind of did revigorate Rodgers. Like he had an MVP season again and he's doing things that we haven't seen before. So uh, there's rumors right now that he, he wouldn't mind doing an extension, but he just wants a commitment that like, because they wanted to restructure, but he wants like, hey, I'll, I'll be your long-term guy, but I want commitment that I'm going to be the guy and I don't want to be a lame duck in a few years. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm all for it. But at the same time, 37 is a scary number for your starting quarterback. It takes one injury and then you're 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 out of luck. So hopefully, hopefully it doesn't get to the point we have to play Jordan Love. But if it does, I just at this point with the success the Packers have, I have to. I trust the Packers until they sh- until they show me otherwise. Yeah, I mean it's interesting, right? Because you're like you mentioned that Ben is holding them hostage. Rodgers almost has Green Bay as a hostage right now too, because all because of Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady is showing you that you can be successful with an old quarterback, right? Yep. And your quarterback's got five years to go to reach that age, right? You know, so <laughs> yeah. it's like, wait a second, could he do it for five more years? because he's really good at it and we are seeing the rest of the market out there is not that good, right? Like we're not built to take that big of a drop at the quarterback position. Like that was my biggest and my biggest concern of the bills last year. And even coming into this offseason was if Josh Allen goes down, not only do you lose the quality of player, I look at it and say, going to Matt Barkley, we have to change everything we're doing. We no longer can run the offense that we want to run. Right. We just brought in Trubisky. I have a smaller window now where I feel like, you know what? We would still be able to run our offense. It might not be as good, but Trubisky is a step up in that avenue. Right. And I, I think it's interesting that he came to the bills and I think there's more to it to partially like he might segue out with Dable next year after Dable gets a head coaching job somewhere and he reinvigorates his career. But I, yeah. it, it is an interesting situation because you're seeing a league that quarterbacks are playing at an old age. I mean, even Philip Rivers did it last year where yeah. he's he's a statue too, right? And he made it 
this far and was still winning. He was in the playoffs again. Or you can go out and get yourself a Garner Minshew, a Drew Locke. You know, mm-hmm. a, a, I'm not even sold on some of these other guys that are NFL quarterbacks right now, right, for long term. Yeah, there's kind of a point where the backup quarterback position right now is it's sometimes it's extremely valuable because you said it takes one injury and that drop off can't be super drastic. Like we saw Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins got his whole career because when RG3 went down, Kirk Cousins was able to step up. So you need a competent backup quarterback to be able to run the offense. And the Packers have seen it the two seasons Rodgers were hurt were a few seasons actually we had um kaiser start we had hundley start both like barely that's won how any matt games. flynn got paid huge money right matt yeah. flynn got paid huge money because of that one game he had six touchdowns and then everyone thought yeah. he was the real deal and Seattle uh, he might 80 been. trillion dollars and then he never yeah. played for him thanks a lot russell wilson yeah <laughs> ruined that for me but no it uh it's interesting i i actually do like the move for trubisky because you look at you look at Josh Allen and his rookie year wasn't something that like a lot of people would be like, Oh, this guy's the real deal. But you see how he kind of changed his career around and maybe that'll be something nice for Trubisky to kind of, I know he's Allen's younger than him, but just seeing like, well, this is what he did to do it. Like I need to start copying this stuff so I can have a chance to do this too. Well, and I think it would also help for Trubisky that if he came in, he would be throwing to Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, Cole Beasley. I mean, it, yeah. it it's it's a little nicer to know that if you did happen to step in, like you're not going to get a play necessarily. You're going to get a chance to reinvigorate what you're doing and get a passion for it again. You might not get to play, but if you do get to play, you're you're playing with studs, right? You're like you're actually yeah. playing like with a winning team. Yeah, which is and cool. that's the thing. yeah. He had Allen Robinson with the bears, but even then Robinson's really good, but you could Mm -hmm. see the frustration they would have. And I just don't think Matt Nagy set up the offense that Trubisky could succeed in. Uh, They thought he was going to be the guy to do it. And I just don't think that offense, you saw what the bears did with their choice. They chose Nagy over Trubisky. Um, So going to a place. He definitely did not play for a good football team. I don't think he really ever had a great team around him, right? His running game was always suspect. Uh, The offensive line was pretty suspect. I mean, yeah, besides Robinson, who I think is a great player. I I would, I'd love Robinson on my team tomorrow. If that was a possibility, he's a, he's a great player, but yeah, I think he, he wasn't put in a good environment, right. And the expectations on him were incredibly high because of how he was drafted when it came out of nowhere. Right. Like, so he was kind and he's coming with a brand new coach and the easiest thing for the coach to do afterwards is just be like, well, that's not my guy. Right. Like, yep. I need a new guy, right? Like he's not the guy, right? So I don't know. He's in such a shitty spot. I feel so bad for him because he's going to get crap for the rest of his life, all because of something that like an organization, like he had no control of the Bears trading up to get him. But right. now all he's going to hear is like, well, you were drafted ahead of these guys. And it's like, yeah, well, now he's a bust. Idea, now he's yeah. a bust. And he's actually got a winning record. He's 29 and 21. I mean, people are acting like the dude is just terrible. Like he's won more games in the NFL than he's lost. And he's done it on a suspect football team. Right. Yep. You know, well, so he, like we saw that with Matthew Stafford, never really got the credit he deserved because unfortunately these guys are in a division where they see Aaron Rodgers twice a year. And right. for the most part, that usually just turns into two losses and everyone just saying, like, well, this is the king of the north. So it kind of just diminishes what other people can do. Right. Absolutely. I, I thought the Stafford move was it was finally time. Right. Like because Detroit is they're an organization that's just been in, you know, in the bottom for a while now. Right. And they've had a couple yeah. attempts to get out of it and it hasn't worked. And it's not that Matt's a bad quarterback. 
you know, it's just they, they've never necessarily had all the pieces to the puzzle. Uh, when they had Johnson, they were paying huge money. Right. So yep. the rest of the team was terrible. Right. They were paying yep. so much money to a couple pieces that they never put a team around him. So I I think it's going to be interesting um, him with the Rams. I don't think it's a great move overall um, because I don't think the Rams are. I, I don't know if I want to say it's McVeigh, but I think he overshot his gun. Um, and he's not exactly as great as everybody thinks he is. And yeah. I don't know that the Stafford move is going to be – because when you think of Stafford, you think of a guy that can throw the ball more, but they don't really necessarily fling it around to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup down there, right? Like that's not necessarily their style. So it'll be interesting to see if there's going to be a complete transition down there and he's going to yeah. try to do something completely different. And the other side of it for golf – I, I get it's a fresh kind of start, but like it's not a good start. No, he's going right. into a terrible space for him. There's no wide receivers. The offensive yeah. line is questionable. The deep, they're in a Jamal, complete. Re- I see Jamal is working on his route running because he's going to be catching a lot of balls out of the backfield because <laughs> Goff gets, he looks, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there. Throw it down, throw it down, throw it down, throw it down. Right. And yeah. so Jamal's probably going to have a huge season. But uh, yeah, I think that move, it, it kind of makes sense, I guess, for both organizations because they need almost like a reset or McVeigh needs like a new reason, right? Because he got rid of the blame of it was Goff, right? So now he needs to kind of redo himself and Goff needed a fresh start too, right? And Stafford gets a second chance to, you know, invigorate his career at the end and maybe get some wins. But I don't know. It's a different style than what he's used to playing in too, so. Absolutely. It's going to be the best. Obviously, Calvin Johnson would be the is the best weapon he'll ever have, ever has had. But mm-hmm. this is the most talented offense he's played on, like as a whole. As so, a team, yeah. Yeah, as a team. So it'll be it'll be interested to see what he can do in that situation. Yeah, that's but cool. You're not I, in the NFC North, so best of luck. Right. And <laughs> let me ask you this one, because uh, speaking of the, the Dolphins now, right, have – They've got two first round picks for the next three to four season I, seasons. I think it is right. Yeah. Where do you stand on Tua? What's your what's your initial impressions on Tua? It's tough because my biggest thing I don't like, and this isn't this isn't like a hot take. This is what a lot everyone's saying is, I don't know how you can play a guy for three quarters and then bench him in crunch time. Like that's when you when you put Fitz Magic in in the fourth quarter, like that's kind of showing like, Oh, I have more trust in Fitz magic than I have in you Tua. Um, I really don't know. I wouldn't, if I were them and I had a ch- chance at Deshaun Watson, I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, I guess if there is a, now they're at six and I don't know from what it's looking, all the, a lot of the quarterbacks are going to be gone by then. Like they're obviously Lawrence is going number one. There's a lot of reports today. Zach Wilson probably will go to the jets. And then the 49ers obviously are taking a quarterback at that number three. So I think they're kind of stuck with him. I'm not sold on him yet. Uh, it only has been one season, so I don't want to be too harsh on it, but I really don't know if he's the future. Like they really thought he was. Right. I, I was telling, I only brought this up because I, uh, somebody earlier was talking about how good uh, a friend of mine, uh, Jay Spence, was talking earlier about how um, Miami's got all these picks, right? And I just made a comment like, well, it doesn't matter how many picks you have if you don't hit with them, right? You can have all the picks in the world if you don't hit with them, right? And he's like, well, they have been. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not sold on the quarterback. And he was like, well, what are you sold on Josh after year one? And I said, no, but I saw Josh could make all the throws, I have not seen Tua be able to throw the ball to the outside of the field. It's like almost like he does not want to do it, whether he – I don't know if he doesn't trust it. I, I got to imagine he's got the arm strength to do it, right? But I, he just – to me, his thing is uh, 
he, he needs Alabama open, right? And the NFL doesn't have Alabama open. You're not playing with the best wide receivers on every position of the field. Yes, yeah. they're all pros, but the guys on the other side of the field are pros too, right? Like, so they're, they're getting paid to stop you too. So in that aspect of it, I don't think he's, and I think Jacoby coming in is actually a sign that Jacoby might be the starting quarterback next year. Yeah. Right. Like they've got valuable pieces and, and they could legitimately at six go pits maybe. Right. So then they've got Gasecki and pits. You've got Parker on the outside and then maybe you go Najee Harris at 12 or you go like and just get a stud running back. Right. And then you've got Gaskins and you've got a Harris. or so you've got like you're a dangerous football team, but Tua can't throw the ball outside the hashes. So you alleviate some of your ability. I don't think he's terrible. I just don't I, – I, I have not seen a good Alabama quarterback coming to the NFL in a long time. So it's hard to believe that him getting benched in, in prime spots and not being able to make all the throws, that he's the guy. The winningest yeah. quarterback – the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, A.J. McCarron, is a backup for the Texans and has thrown like four passes in the NFL. Right? Like, so <laughs> I, I, I don't know that – I don't know. What do you, am I way off here? I, I, no, I, I'm with you. I think that's I think that's exactly right with them. Is it's not a good track record of the Alabama quarterbacks. Like because you said there's an Alabama open in college. Like they're just a superior team in like year in and year out. Where when you go to a Dolphins, which lately haven't been a very good team. The last last year they kind of turned it on towards the end, or a couple years ago, and even last year they shown some shown some signs. But if he's gonna be, if their team's gonna get to where they want to, he has to be the one making those plays and being like a top guy. And I don't know if that's really him. He might be more of a system quarterback, which is fine, but that's just, that isn't what Miami needs. They don't have the pieces around him to be, to let him be a system quarterback. Well, and especially when you're going to potentially be going up at teams like Buffalo who are putting up 30, 40 points in a game, right? Like you, you need to, you can't always count on the fact that you're just going to slow them down, right? Like what if you don't slow them down? Like we got to be able to score, right? So you need, you need to be able to move the ball. You need to be able to make the plays. So it like Josh, I was not sold that he was the guy, but he showed me enough by being able to make all the throws. And I knew that no matter what, he was going to try everything in his power to win. It wasn't always going to be the right decision or this, that, and the other as he was learning, but things like he wasn't getting benched, right? He wasn't, you know, they weren't like, we're close in this game. Let's get him out of there and put the backup, you know, put the other guy in, right? Like he didn't see those things. So that's why I have a little trouble with it is like, I think Brian Flores is a great coach and I think they're doing great things down there right now, but I feel like the, the two, a pick could be like the thing that just, undoes all of their good right because he could they could try to keep him around for so long and support him and he just might not be that good right like it's possible that he's just not that good it happens right like he's he's constantly going to be compared to herbert which sucks for him but when you see the success he had it's like we might have made a mistake we might Herbert, herbert won way less games and he was way better looking of a quarterback than what tua was with victories Right. Exactly. You still were just like, yeah, but Herbert's throwing it all over the place. He's destroying defenses to us, like not doing anything or the defense got three interceptions and ran them back for touchdowns this week. Right. It was like, it wasn't like Tua was actually doing anything to get the victory while Herbert's out there slinging it around, making it happen. Right. So it, I think it's rightfully so that they, that this is going to take place because Herbert's going to be a great quarterback. I think, you know, I think the chargers have hit their mark and they are going to be another one of those teams that are going to be successful for the foreseeable future because of him. 
Absolutely. But sticking with uh, with your division, how do you feel about the Patriots and all the moves they made this offseason? Do you think they're on their way back or do you still think you guys are the big brother right now? It's fun to see them desperate, you yeah. know, and like just throwing around a bunch of money. And I'm curious to see like, like I almost feel like if I was Janu Smith, like when they signed me and then like two days later they signed, they said they were going to sign Hunter Henry. I would have been like, yo, I'm out. Yeah. You know, like why, why are we bringing him here too? Right. Like, so in, and if they really think that they're going to be like smart outsmarting everybody by going back to like a two tight end set, like I don't, and okay. So you've got Smith and Hunter now who are great, but on the outside, I have to worry about Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. Like I just won't even cover them. Then I'll just cover your <laughs> tight ends. Right. So like, yeah. I'm curious to see what it's going to turn into or what they're going to try to do. Um, they're sticking with cam apparently who I, I don't think he's entirely washed up, but I don't think he's, a great quarterback either right like so i defensively they were getting pieces back that were gonna make them better on the defensive side of the ball you know in hightower uh, mccordy if he comes back again for another season they got calvoin van noy back so i think they they're gonna be better than what they were but they spent a lot of money to probably be like an eight and eight team yeah no that's that's what i'm kind of feeling with them too um their, their weapons on offense and bringing in the tight ends, I get they had success before. And for how good Smith and Hunter Henry can be, you can't compare them to to Gronk. And obviously he was a shitty human, but Aaron Hernandez was a heck of a football player. Like you can't compare mm. those. Their, their talent level is just much higher than Smith and uh, Henry. So you might get a fraction of the success, but it's not like that can carry your team. Well, like the quarterback's talent level was way better too. Absolutely. The quarterback that was throwing the ball to Gronk and Hernandez is considerably different than the one that's going to be throwing the ball. (laughs) I mean, I guess you can say that. So, yeah, I mean that I, I get it and it's interesting, but if, I mean, the numbers were what they've spent like 410 million in like the past 10 years and they spent like almost 300 this off season alone. Right. So I, I feel like they get the desperation of like their, their one piece to the puzzle. And now they've lost that ability to like get all the free agents to just want to come there. Right. You know, like in the bills are seeing that now guys are willing to take lower deals. The guys that they're willing to pay, get paid less money to stick around because yeah. they see the winning. I, I actually feel like if I were to say right now, unsure about what the jets are going to do at quarterback, but overall I would almost say there'd be bills, one jets, two dolphins, three Patriots, still four. Really? but I think it's going to be inter. There's going to be probably a, a real coming into the pack in that seven. I, I would imagine everybody gets to a minimum of seven wins. I feel yeah. like it might, it might be there this year in that seven, nine team, like an, a nine win team, a nine win team, and then a 13, 14 win bills team. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. The Jets have been making moves. The Dolphins, they've shown last year they can have some success, but that's the thing with the Patriots is I, I, yeah, I'm not sold on their moves yet either. There's not a lot of circumstances where spending money in the offseason equates to wins. That doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't a lot. really work, right? You don't see it work that often. So it's, it's interesting, but it, it also is just kind of like you, you have to do what you can do, right? If this is the quarterback you have right now and you know that you're going to have to develop one behind him either way, right? Like, cause there's no free agent out there that you were like head over heels with. I don't think that the, the 
Patriots are ever going to be that team that's going to ship away 45 picks for Watson, no matter how good he could be long term. Right. I still don't think they would ever be that organization. They would still want to feel like they did you where you would be like, yeah, we'll give you just give us some third rounders just because you're the Patriots. Right. Like that's the mentality. I think they would walk in there with like, wait, you want four first rounders? You know who we are, right? Like we're New England. Right. Like, so third rounders. Yeah, cool. We'll give you third rounders. Right. You know, like, I feel like that's how they are. And it's, I, I don't know, division wise, I, I think we still can be the team. I think we're still set up to be the team. Uh, we're, we got a young core. Um, I, we didn't do a lot to necessarily get better, but we didn't do a lot to get worse. Um, and obviously the other guys around us are getting better. The Dolphins are getting better. They're adding pieces, right? We'll see what they can do in the draft. They could get very good in the draft here. The Jets are waiting on a quarterback, I think, still. I'm not anti-Sam Darnold. I was going to be okay if they let him go, and he was going to be the backup in Buffalo. Like, I believe he's one of those guys that just needs that different scenario, right? He needs a different vibe. Something needs to change. Maybe that'll be just the coach. I mean, Adam Gase was like a joke, right? I, like, I I don't understand how as an organization you let that happen. And then as it was continuing to happen, you continue to let it happen, right? Like you saw how crappy he was unless you were trying to get to where you are right now, getting the second pick. Yeah, no, that's exactly. the only reason, right? Like <laughs> why else they were going for Lawrence. They had, yeah, to be. I mean, they were, well, they, they had it and then go figure they go and win, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like they had their chance and they went ahead and they won. And then instead now Lawrence is probably going to go die in Jacksonville for four years. And then he's going to go be the quarterback somewhere else or mm-hmm. Jacksonville is going to pay him $40 trillion just to keep him around. So people pretend to still like the organization, yeah. you know, like, cause if you let him go and you don't win after letting who's supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in a, in a long time coming out, you, you got to win with that or not. Right. But you've got old school Tom Coughlin over there. You've got like, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And you've got an owner who basically is like, um, I'm in charge, even though I don't know what's going on, you yeah. know, but I'm still in charge and we're going to be in England in two seasons if I have my way. Right. You know, like, yeah. it's weird. I, that's the craziest part is like, you know, he has an exit plan to get out of there. And it's right. like, I don't know. I don't know how you can let an NFL owner do that, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> yeah. It's a super weird thing, but so we're coming up on almost an hour here. Uh, I know you're a little ahead of me and so let's get out of here. Uh, but before we get out of here, let's do some closing up some notes and stuff. I want to give you an opportunity to uh, go ahead and let everybody know what you're going to be up to here moving forward a little bit where they can find you and just kind of, you know, spitball everything you got going on, Jimmy. Absolutely. So if you follow me on Twitter at Jimmy underscore C zero eight, anything I do, whether it's for Packer report with the articles or uh, my live shows with game on Wisconsin, all of it will be posted there. Uh, I just recently started working, which is why I talked about him so much for uh, Jamal Williams. I'm his media manager now. So I'll be post or trying to get him interviews, posting a lot of Jamal content to kind of grow his brand because he is a really talented football player. But beyond that, He's just a really good human being. So I like to kind of promote that side of him even more so than uh, his football. But follow me on that. You'll get all my stuff. Hopefully some have some cool, cool things coming out. Just bought a video camera. So I'm going to be doing some uh, stuff with that. See what I see what videos I can create and put out there. Just uh, keep me busy, busy during summer break while I'm not teaching. Awesome. So 
obviously uh everything will be in the show notes where you can find jimmy and basically if you go to twitter for most of us you can get links to basically everything else that we're doing right so but all that stuff will be in the show notes like we talked up uh, earlier detroit pal you know that's who we're highlighting this week so all the show notes for them will be in there uh, the six degrees of separation uh, pretty cool program uh, you get a cool shirt it's a fun thing to do and you're also going to be checking in on people that you love uh you know that you should be checking in on regular right but sometimes it just takes a little extra push to get us to do the things that we should do right or just being like oh yeah i should probably catch up with six people that i could easily just go to the first six people on my phone and just give them a call and check in and see how they're doing whether it's just a couple minutes or whatever so jimmy i really appreciate you coming on man it was a lot of fun chatting you know about the the reflecting franchises hearing you know your opinion of the bills you know and getting let me chat on green bay a little bit uh so super exciting um it's exactly what i've been trying to do um you know with the show is is reach out to different folks so again everybody that's listening to this uh thank you for being here i know you got tons of other things you can listen to uh, but you know uh, we're going to be working hard over here and bringing a lot of cool stuff your way so uh, make sure you head over to the buffalo nerd and check out everything i'm doing over there you know uh, if you like the show give us a positive review you know all that kind of stuff share it around because you're not just sharing around me right you're sharing around an idea you know somebody else's opinion about things and we're chatting up good conversation about you know organizations that are making our communities better every day of the week right so absolutely love you guys everybody that's li- listening excuse me um of course we can't end it without a uh, go bills because that's where that's where the fandom really truly lies but again jimmy thanks a lot man really appreciate you having on having you come on with me this week yeah man appreciate it i love this let's do it again we'll get you on lombardi's bar next season absolutely love it man for sure sweet thanks for joining us for this episode of the buffalo nerd with colt schroeder before you go Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Find Colt on all social channels at the Buffalo Nerd and at thebuffalonerd.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.